Let's all stand. Mark chapter 12. Do you love the Lord? It's a very important question. Because if you do, Romans 8, 28 says, all things work together for your good. If you love the Lord, then in the end, it's a win-win situation. You win and God wins. Praise God. The title of my sermon is Check Your Check. Check your check. Check it out, eh? Mark 12, beginning of verse 41. It says, there Jesus sat down up against or opposite the place where the offerings were put or placed and watched or checked out the crowd as they were putting the money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Check it out! I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty. Put in everything, all she had to live on. Father, I pray that you would just still our spirits, keep everybody attentive, I ask. Lord, especially those that get bent out of shape when we talk about money, keep them in shape, Lord. Because the shape of our, and the destiny of our church, according to this message here, could hinge on their response and reply and desire and decision to, to serve you all out. We honor and we bless you in Christ's name. And everybody together said, Amen. You may be seated. What am I talking on today? Money. Years ago, I spoke on something like that, and I wore the same suit. I don't know if you remember. I did it again. Big old hint. Green. Ah, yeah, yeah. Now, I read here in Mark chapter 12, out of that book. But Luke, in Luke 4.16, he also mentions and says that with Jesus, it was his custom. Luke 4.16 says, it was Jesus' custom to go into the synagogue to go to church. <clears throat> and here in Mark chapter 12, verse 41, we find Jesus in church. Where's Jesus at? In church. As was, according to Luke 4, 16, his custom to go to church. Now, I've said before, most churches start at 10 o'clock sharp, but they end at 12 o'clock dull. So you know it. All right, great. Uh, for those of you that are new, that's usually the way it is. Most churches, they start at 10 o'clock sharp, but they end at 12 o'clock dull. Bring it in the sheep. I mean, you want to get out of there. And during the time of Jesus, most churches were just like that. Christianity, in its early stages, during the time of Christ, found itself in the very, very same predicament. Uh, the, the Word of God during the time of Christ was at an almost all-time low. It was at a very low ebb, spiritually speaking, when Jesus was around. Matter of fact, scholars and theologians will tell you that they call the time or the period from Malachi, which is the last book in, in, uh, 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 in the Old Testament, till the time in Matthew, when Jesus was on the scene, how many know what they call it? 
Uh, Lenny knows, right? What do they call that? The silence. They call it the 400-year law. God didn't speak for 400 years. Why? Because of the predicament of the church. Uh, Christianity, the, the, you know, the Israel, they, they, were, they weren't really into those things spiritually. That's the way it was during the time of Christ. So the first thing that we want to learn here from the sermon is that with Jesus, even though most services back in his day as well were dead and dull, Jesus still went to church. Uh, still went to church. As was his custom in Luke 4, 16 says. See, Jesus believed he could still meet God at church even with its obvious shortcomings. Jesus made it his business, his custom, to go to church. In other words, yes, it's dead, yes, it's dull, but he still said, I don't care, I'm still going to go because my father's going to be there. Ah, God's going to be there. I can still meet God. Even if the ringing in the sheaves. I can touch God and he can touch me. Irregardless. That's why it's important to go to church. And it's not too dull here usually. Uh-uh. In this church, uh I mean, we got some of the best speakers this side of the Pecos and that side of the Pecos. Figure that one out. Do the math. Uh, it's hard to go to sleep here, hallelujah, because the Russians have been instructed. If you go to sleep, no, I'm just kidding. Now, no, 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 just try it, though. I'm just kidding. No, 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 no. Uh, now, at this particular service, it was a particular service here in Mark chapter 12, Jesus made it a point. That's what the scripture says. He made it a point to sit at a certain place. Uh, at, a, on a, at a certain chair. The Bible says he sat over against the treasury, right near the place where they pick up the offering. That's where he sat. Okay? Jesus did this for a reason. Uh, he was very purposeful, meticulous. Why did he do this? See, because Jesus, uh, he wanted to highlight the offering. And the offering should always be a highlight in a service. It should be. It's not, a, it's not intermission. Some people think, oh, okay, now offering time. See, you're, th you're still used to going to the show. You're still used to going to you know, intermission. Oh, it's intermission. No, it's not. It's, where, it's, it's time to give. It's time to knock out the devil. It's time to get blessed. Now, why is Jesus interested in our offerings? Well, number one, I'm going to give you a few reasons why he's interested in our offerings. Why he sits right near the, where the offerings being picked up. Jesus is interested in our giving because, you know, all offerings are a form of worship. All offerings, okay, are a part of worship. Yes, we can sing loud and, and clap loud and, and, and worship God that way, and that's good and fine and dandy. Even preaching can be broken down. It's a form of worship, preaching is, okay? See, my friend, the worship of God is telling him that he alone is the highest and the best. Because giving also is a form of worship. And when we're giving to God, we're telling Him, Here, God, you are the, you're awesome. You're the greatest. You're the best. You deserve all this. I mean, it's one, you know, it's good to clap. You know, I would dare say, if you're not clapping and worshiping God, something's wrong. All things might not be working together for your good. Do the math. Do the math. You probably don't love the Lord like you should. Ah. I know who I'm talking to. Some of you used to go to dances. You weren't going to dance with somebody you didn't really like. You wanted to dance with somebody that you said, oh, I wanted to know that, you know, I could like her, you know. 
None of you did that one. That was way before your days. Hallelujah. Uh, <laughs> See, in genuine worship, we come with an open heart, with an open mouth, hallelujah, and with an open pocketbook. That's real genuine worship. Uh, then secondly, Christ is interested in our giving and our offerings because he knows that our attitude in giving is a test of our character. It is. Who you are. See, our parents used to have a saying, my parents did anyways, they used to say, show me who you hang around with and I'll show you who you are. And that's, isn't it so true? No, mom, I'm not using drugs. And you're hanging out with the worst Dolphin in Fremont. Uh, no, mama, really? You, come on. It's hard to fool Mother Nature. Uh, no way. Well, the same principle maybe could be applied here. By that I mean this. Show me how you react when it's offering time, and I'll show you who you are spiritually. Uh, and if... And if you really do love the Lord, I'll, I'll let you, I'll, you can find that out during offering time. If you buck and, and you're bored and you roll your eyes every time you get, the offering time comes. Uh, chances are you're a wannabe Christian. I'll show you who you are. During the offering, it's a test of your character. If every time they go, I'm not going to pick up the offering, you're like, oh, well, I knew it. Uh, chances are you're a wannabe. You want to be someplace else? Uh, man, you know, I sort of like the church, but this part of the service I don't like. Ay, 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 we'll show you who you are. See, if picking up finances offends you, and you don't see this as an opportunity to worship and to love the Lord, and to hit the devil right between the eyes, then you're a wannabe. You're not really, probably, genuine, totally all-out Christian. You're a wannabe. Uh, and then you don't... Back in the days, in our, with our growing up, you don't want to be called a wannabe. Uh, and I was just thinking about this. Let me just stop here real quick. Stop the time, Lord. And then he's not going to answer that one. Uh, but next week, Art's going to be here. And uh, a powerful guy. And I was thinking, I would like for Esteban and Tim to interview him on the phone during the, during the, uh, during the, uh, 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 the radio program. How many know that we have a radio program? I was able to hear it all the way from San Jose yesterday, down in, down in Morgan Hill we were, and we still heard it. Uh, KDIA, 1490, 1640, well, pretty close. Uh, 1640, and you rate it out from five or seven every Saturday. We have it. It's bad. I, I like it. Uh, right, Chucky, when we listen to it, when you're getting down, brother? Uh, here's Stevens and Tim's voice over there. Uh, Stevens crazy, and Tim's bring, Tim brings it down to earth. Hallelujah. Uh, but uh, uh, I was thinking, we need to interview Art. By the way, Coralie, where are you at? We're going to give a plug right now for you. They forgot you. I know that. But we're going to give a plug right now. Because Art's going to be here at 5 o'clock when the program's going on because the singles are having Art Blahos in the whole region. Matter of fact, San Jose's coming. San Jose, they told me. They're, I was there. They're going to come too. All the singles next Saturday at 5 o'clock, you're going to have a dinner here, $7. $7 includes a full cooked meal, fellowship with other singles, when you come in, we're going to give you blinders like this. Uh, uh, and then I, so we're going to call Art about 5.30. Is that okay, Corey? We'll call him about 5.30. And right when he's getting into his salad, we'll call him. 
But I was thinking, I, 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 I want to give you guys a question to call, ask Art. I want to ask him, Art, do you really think these new rapper coming guys, that, you know, they, they, they call themselves gangsters? About what percentage of those really guys are really gangsters? Thugs, man. Thug life. Ask a real thug. I look at those guys, I told myself sometimes, that, you know, they, even like tonight we were watching those guys with a big old, you know, jewelry and... That's not a thug. You know, brand new clothes, that's not a thug. Unless they stole it. The most thugs, you know, the, and they're good at stealing real thugs, you know, but that's a real, you know, he's not a, I know what a real thug is. Ah, I know what a bad dude is. Those guys, yeah, maybe. But I wonder, that would be a good question to ask them. What real percentage of, you know, those guys, you know, you know, why do all those guys go to jail and Tupac and yeah, you know? They're, they want to be thugs, and they're on this side. Of the th these other guys are real thugs. Uh, they, these guys want to, I want to kill somebody. Because they want to get a testimony. They ain't got no testimony. They're, 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 they're little whippersnappers in the outfit. Uh, but all oh, they're thugs. You know? Death Row Records. <laughs> Heaven and Hood Productions, buddy. Hallelujah. That's ours. That's ours. That's our production. Right, Walter? We got a production company coming up. Uh, we're going to get some singers in there. Sister Renee, hallelujah. Huh? Heaven and Hood Productions. All right, how did I get there? Wannabes, that's right. Uh, all right, let's go. Start the hands. Time again, all right. But again, if you get offended at the offering, wow. I've said before, if you go for the first lie of the devil, and what's usually the first lie? All they want, if you go for that, you're probably not going to go to heaven. Think about it. That's a, that's a harsh but true statement. Because the devil gives it to everybody. You're not the only one that, oh, oh man, look at this. He, how many got hit with that? Yeah, don't lie. Yeah, we all did. All they want is your money. Uh, that's a lie. But if you go for that one, you're probably not going to go to heaven. Ah. Uh, See, in Christianity, you're going to have to learn to, to fight and combat the enemy. That's the reason why Jesus knew, my friend, that, that giving was a test of an individual's character. But on the other hand, on the other hand, if you view and look at an offering time as a welcome opportunity to give, and it's a, chore, a, it's a cheer and not a chore, then chances are you're the real genuine article. You're the real Christian. If you look at it, it's an opportunity to give. Yeah! Come on, devil pie! Then thirdly, Christ is interested in our offerings and givings because he realizes what a tragedy of human character our failure to give can be. Uh, he knows what a failure it can be for us not to be willing to give to God. Jesus realizes that our failure to give can only come out of rooted selfishness. Uh, you're, you're very selfish uh, if you fail to, to, to give to God. Christ knows that in giving... In our giving, then we're really living. In giving, you're living. Really. If you're not a giver, you, you, you're, you're not living. You're dead. Really. Christ understands that. See, the love of money can root a person deep in selfishness, and that's a bondage. And some of you have it. I'm sorry, but I know, I'm, I know what I'm dealing with here. Some of you got that. It's a bondage. Give me time. You got to give like I said. Like, oh, it went by already. I guess I got to keep it. 
Ay, ay, ay. Selfishness. But the Bible says, freely you have received, freely give. Uh, see, my friend, the man who, who, who freely gives, uh, who, and who finds it easy to give, that's the man that's really free. The man or the person, the individual, the woman that finds it easy to give, they're really free. Freely you have received, freely give. Why? Because you're free. Uh, you're not giving out of compulsion, not out of law. We're not putting a gun to you. We're not. It's up to you. But you're free. Then fourthly, Jesus is interested in our giving and our offerings because he knows what a big, big help our finances can be turned into. What can they be transformed into? While yes, money can be turned into a curse through our selfishness, it can also be turned into a very, very great blessing. Money is condensed energy. What is it? Condensed energy. Powerful. Ecclesiastes 7.12 says, Wisdom and money are a defense. Ah. But the excellency of knowledge is that wisdom giveth life to them that have it. Uh, for wisdom is a defense and money is a defense. In other words, you can give an answer, you can, you can have some stuff. Uh, you can defend yourself. Look at my church, we're painting. Uh, look at what we're doing, we're, we're, we're knocking down walls. And how'd you do that? We had some money. Uh, we got some money. And listen, we, were, we tried to get a loan in the outset. We weren't able to get it quite yet. But we're over, more than a third done with the project already. More than a third. So next time we go to get a loan, we say, hey, listen. You want to lend us the money? Fine. You don't, we're going to do it on our own. We've done it before. We're going to keep doing it. But hey, it'd be nice if you'd give us a loan now so we can knock it out in a hot second. Because we got an Ezra building fund that everybody's involved in. Uh, let's go on. Uh, see, Money can be used to help the needy and to win the lost. It can help to buy houses and build churches. Uh, it can send people to the foreign countries, foreign soil, and keep them there. Right, Chucky? It can send them there, but it can also keep them there. Uh, stay there until their time's up. Mom and Dad, hallelujah. Uh, see, Luke 69 says, use worldly wealth or finances to make friends for yourselves so that when that money is gone, it's really not. You will be welcomed into eternal habitations or eternal dwellings, which is telling us to use our finances to win souls, to win the lost, so that when we pass on, when we die, when we go on to be with the Lord, the souls that were won to Jesus through our money, through our giving, they'll be waiting for us to welcome us into eternal heavens. They'll be able to sing that beautiful song. Isn't it a beautiful song? Thank you. Forgiven to the Lord, I am a soul that was changed. Help me, Lord, to try to sing the song. Uh, I want to be on the heaven and hood label. Uh, uh, and it goes on to say, because of your generosity, I'm so glad you gave. I'm here because of that. You won't be able to meet a lot of the people from Indonesia and the four churches we already have in the Philippines. But someday, my friend, when you pass on, they're going to be there waiting for you. The Bible says that. They're going to say, thank you, Walter. Thank you for giving. Thank you, sister. Thank you, brother. Thank you, Cecilia. Thank you, Sister Gomez. Thank you for giving because it was your money that equated to my being here. And now we're going to spend eternity together. Thank you. Uh, see, money can be turned into a blessing. Now, 
Let's check out. Title of my sermon. What Jesus checked out as he sat there up against the seat near the treasury, okay? We need to check it out. What Jesus was checking out. Why he, what did he see? Uh, see, this is going to get interesting, this part of the sermon. As we examine what Jesus saw. Why did he sit up against her? And what is it exactly that I saw? It's going to get interesting because we're going to find out he didn't see nobody taken from the offering. Uh, you'd think, oh, that church, are, they're drug addicts. Got to be careful. Uh, hold on to your purses. Uh, no. Really what Jesus saw was only all good and very positive. He didn't see anybody pilfering from the finances. Uh, he didn't see anybody that was not giving. It's interesting. He didn't see that. The first thing that Jesus saw, the Bible says, was he saw a multitude giving in the offering. Chapter 12 of Mark 41 says, uh, he saw a crowd. That's what he saw. He saw a multitude of individuals that were giving. There were a lot of people, in other words, involved in giving. Hallelujah to that. Pastors will say hallelujah. To see a crowd giving, wow. Uh, see, Mark 12, 41 uses the word crowd, and it also uses the word, in verse 41, many. So a crowd and many people gave. Verse 44 flat out says, they all gave. How many have the NIV translation? That's what it says, Mark 12, 44. It begins by the first, the first three words are, they all gave. In other words, everybody gave. Wow. Ah, what an offering time. Everyone got involved in worshiping God that day. It must have been Stewardship Sunday. Yeah, because the Bible says it was a special day. See, Jesus didn't just sit in the bag. or he, didn't, he, he chose a special seat that day for a special reason. It was probably Stewardship Sunday. And he, and he said, oh, okay. There was a certain reason why he did all this stuff. It was a special occasion, sort of like today. See, the Bible is telling us that everyone should give and be involved in the financial program of the church. Everyone. That's what it says. Um, everybody's got to do your part. It's important. Look at what 1 Corinthians 16.2 says. 1 Corinthians 16.2 says, Upon the first day of the week, let everyone set aside a certain amount of money as God has prospered him or her. Let everyone. Who? Who? Everyone includes you and I. Everyone includes all of us. And by the way, we haven't picked up the offering yet. And I got my green suit on. Uh, guess, what the offer, guess what the altar call is going to be here today? I'm going to put on my Jesus suit and I'm going to sit right here. I'm going to look. I'm just kidding. Uh, see, my friend, so I'm sure Jesus was glad to see that there and then, and hopefully today, that everyone gave. He was glad to see that. Uh, the second thing that Jesus saw, and no doubt, my friend, it, it had got his attention, it was a great sight to his eyes, was that many that were rich cast, cast in much, the Bible says. Many that were rich cast in much. Oh, ho, ho. I like the pastor of that church. Uh, many that were rich, and there was a lot of them that were rich. They cast in a quite a bit amount of finances. Uh, now, no doubt, because rich people are like that, a lot of us wouldn't know that, but... Uh, see, these people, the rich people, they'd have to be very busy. They had to be. But they were not so busy as to rather sleep than come to church. 
Uh, they still came to church. These people did not allow, my friend, the things that most rich people confront to get in their way of worshiping God. And, and rich people confront a lot more stuff than us, usually that, that don't have so much. Uh, they, they got a lot of stuff they got to fight through. But these people didn't allow them to get in their way. See, most of us, we don't have to deal with this problem. But wealthy people do. It's not easy because, first of all, money is not easy to make. And secondly, money's not easy to keep. So it demands a lot of your time. Are you with me? You got to, you know, commerce and work and Wall Street and investment. It's, it's not easy to make finances. And people understand that. Then once you make it, it's not easy to keep it and keep making it. It demands much of your time. Uh, and because of this, money tends, my friend, to, to, to demand a lot of attention from rich people. Thus, we have less time to cultivate our prayer life. We have less time to cultivate our Bible study and our devotional life and our church life. It's hard for rich people sometimes. Well, I got to do, I'm sorry, Pastor, I couldn't be there because I have to do this. So they, they have to spend more time with that than, than their prayer life, usually. Their devotional life. And that's bad inside, but that's what happens a lot of times. Then, my friend, if somebody's wealthy, he or she will have a tendency, a heavy tendency, to not need nor to be reliant on God. What for? I, look, look what I got. Uh, got money in the bank. Uh, they're not desperate for God as much as most people because they have finances. That's what happens. In need of nothing. But the best thing that Jesus saw that day when he was standing next to the seat of the treasury, the best thing he saw was one certain giver that thrilled him above all others. The Bible says it was the widow woman who gave less than a penny. But that's what really got Jesus' fancy. Uh, while the woman's amount was a little less than like a penny, like I said, was very little. It still caught Christ's attention so much that the Bible says he called out to his disciples to disciple them. That's what it says. It says there in verse 43, I think it is, he called his disciples, check this out. And they come. This woman gave less than a penny. Okay. Uh, you know, a lot of times when I'm discipling people, I did this yesterday. I'll be with you. If you're sitting next to me, sometimes you see me looking over to Lanny or whoever's near me, I'll go and I'll say stuff because I want to I point out stuff to them. Uh, I want to say, you know, and I'm, usually I've been talking to the guys about how you're run, running the service. And, and so I'll say, look, at this is the way. Look, at, look, at, they give me the ball of the 40. Look at this. And I'll, I'll let them know what, what we're doing here. That's what Jesus was doing here. He was, uh, he was leaning over to his disciples and checking them out and saying, come, 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 I want you to learn something. Uh, and what they learned that day, you're going to learn it here today as well as we close. Getting close to closing. Uh, her. It wasn't a lot. See, this woman, Jesus told the disciples, has put in more than all else. Now that could be a ridiculous, absurd statement. I'm sure the disciples said, what? One penny? It sounds like an absurd and ridiculous statement, doesn't it? What's wrong with you, Jesus? Uh, see, because in the natural, in the natural it wasn't so. Uh, just count it. Do the math. Any disciple will say, Jesus, that's only a penny. Man, who, who was your math teacher? You were out to lunch? So then, my friend, how could this that Jesus was saying be true? How could her giving less than a penny 
be equated to more than all the rest. And we're going to find that out, then we're going to close. See, to Jesus, her giving was great in its devotion, her love from the heart. Uh, see, behind that little gift of one penny was big love. Little gift, big love. Little gift, big love. It's a big key to God. Give it from your heart. The Bible says man looks at the outside, but God looks at the ticker, the heart. Love, my friend, will always try to do big things if it can. United, we can. Listen to me, what I'm saying here. Don't, don't, don't go to sleep on me here now. Are you ready, ushers? I've seen one already. Ah. Love will always try to do big things if it can. But if it can't, if love cannot do big things, ah, if it can't do big things, then it will then do the little things in a big way. That's what this woman did. She did her little in a big way, with a big heart, with a whole lot of love. Ah, two mites. In and of themselves are not much. But when they're backed up by a great love and a great devotion, as this woman had, that gets God's attention. Ah, then, my friend, her gift uh, was great and eye-catching to Jesus because it was given in a genuine spirit of sacrifice. How was it given? In a genuine spirit of sacrifice. Uh, and I've talked about the three levels of giving. Uh, sacrificial giving is the best. Uh, you have the first level of giving is your tithes. Uh, your, the second level is generosity. Your offerings above your tithes. Like Ezra, Ezra fund, that's your generosity. That's generosity giving. That's second level giving. But third level giving is sacrificial giving. But that's the one that gets the biggest blessings. Which gets the biggest blessings? Sacrificial giving. Uh, I've said it before, but I may as well mention it now. I mean, Richard Contreras, you know, the guy again, he's going to be here Wednesday. But he, he, he moved into the level of sacrificial giving because he was the number one vice president, the youngest vice president in, uh, what was the name of the jewelers that he used to work for? Crescent Jewelers from Georgia's Jewelers, but it was Crescent. He was the number one in the West Coast. Great salesman. He, I mean, he knows about jewelry. Uh, and then one day God told him, he was taking the money to the bank and on First Street. A lot of you know the story. There in First Street in, uh, in San Jose where he worked. He was making big bucks. And God told him, today's your last day at work. I want you to bow down right here in the street on First Street, going to the bank where everybody's walking by and worship me. Now, I'm not saying God's going to do it to everybody. But Richard was obedient. Not even know the story. He, he did it. He says, oh, my goodness. He says, he says, and I knew most of those people. He's a real friendly guy, isn't he? He'll meet every, he'll know everybody. Um, he'll hang around with Barry Nice. I gave him a moniker. Tell him that's his name, Barry Nice. Uh, but, but Richard's even more nicer than Barry Nice. Uh, he's, a nice, so, and he's a nice guy. Everybody knows him. And he said, he said, oh, my God, Steve, everybody's going by me. Then I walked into the back, and everybody's looking at me like, then he went back and he told this guy, I'm going to resign today. I'm going to give a... The, the man said, come on. All right, all right, all right. I, I know, I know, I know your play. I'll give you more money. He said, no, 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 I'm resigning. No, no. Well, how much money do you want then? Then I'll give you whatever you want. He already had the keys to a Mercedes. And he turned in the keys too. He says, no, 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 it's okay. Uh, and he had a little house over here. Went to a place with no money, depending on your finances. Uh, 
But now, you know, little by little, now he's living better now. Right? Seven, isn't that a nice little house that he has there now? Uh, but sacrifice. But sacrifice has the greatest reward. Uh, all the souls that he's been able to win. Four churches there in the Philippines already. Plus he's helping in Indonesia big time. See, Jesus would later sacrifice his life by doing what the woman did. By giving his all as she gave her all. That's sacrificial giving. Okay, that's in the realm. Jesus could identify with this woman because later on he would give his all at the cross. So he knew what he was going to do. And he saw, man, this lady is giving sacrificially because she's giving her all, all of her livelihood. Everything. Uh, the Bible says there that all of them gave, but not all of them gave all. Everybody gave. It says everybody gave. How many gave in that day on Stewardship Sunday? All. But not all gave their all. This woman did. See, sacrificial giving is measured not by how much you give, but by how much you have left after you give. How sacrificial giving measured? Not how much you gave, but how much you got left after you've given. See, Jesus and the widow woman both gave till they had nothing left. Then finally, Jesus could say uh, that her giving was, was the best and the greatest than the rest because of what God was going to do with that money. That's why Jesus could say that she, what she gave was the greatest. Now, and this is, this is the key to the sermon, and with this I'm going to close. Don't, don't miss this one. He said this is the greatest giving. And the reason she gave the biggest amount and the greatest amount, and he told, and listen, this is what the disciples had to learn. You got to learn this. You were like those disciples right too. Only one penny, that's not more than the other rich people. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the math right now, okay? I'm your math teacher. I'm going to give you a conclusion. Why Jesus could say what she gave was more than the rest and greater. It was because God was about to make this woman's seemingly small and menial gift, he was about to turn it into an eternal memorial where all the ages, including us, you and I here today, could be touched by her generosity and by her sacrifice. Ah, my friend, see, there's no measuring what your giving can do and what your giving can produce when it's placed in the master's hands. Little becomes much in the master's hands. In other words, he knew, I'm going to use what she did here today, we're going to chronicle it, and we're going to put it in the Gospels. Everybody else is giving. They gave big time. It's not going to be talked about. But what she did here with that little penny, less than a penny, is going to spark out a revival all over the world from ages to ages. It's going to go on even into Hayward. Hayward's going to be brought into financial revival someday because of what this woman did. Revival can break loose over a little bit of giving. Despise not the days of small beginnings. Man, I only got this. I only got that. It doesn't matter. Your, 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 your giving today could be the, the, the offering that breaks the devil's back. It could. Despise not your little gifts. It could be it. We're not millionaires here. We're not rich, but this could, this could be the offering. Years ago, we went up to three different mountains here in, in the East Bay area. Somebody went to the Hayward area. Somebody went to Union City. And me and Dan Martin went to Fremont. Maybe that's why people from Fremont are getting saved. And we prayed against drugs and gangs and violence and finance. Remember what happened? Remember three days later what happened? 
the second biggest bust ever in the history of the United States occurred in a locker right over here off of Hesperian. Three point something billion dollars worth of heroin was discovered there three days later. Uh, but when we went, we asked the three teams, go to the library, find out the history of that city. And so we wanted to pray against the spirits. My wife went to the library and did her homework to find out what was wrong with Hayward. What kind of spirit was here? You know what she concluded? There was two big spirits that were trying to control. One of them was money. Three churches she found out in the turn of the century, the 1800s, the late 1800s, had to shut down because the people stopped giving. They stopped giving. The second spirit was apathy, but they all go together. They were selfish, apathetic. Three major churches had to close their doors because the people weren't giving no more. Uh, yes, we don't have a whole lot of business type of people yet. Yet, you're gonna, hey, my daughter's graduated from university. Uh, we're gonna have some stuff here.